Welcome to the No City on the Sideline Down podcast. We're going to dive deep into the topic that's controversial and critical. It's the impact of marijuana on our health and society. My special guest, Dr. Rim Wiggins, an oral maxillofacial surgeon, will be sharing his unique perspective, blending personal experience with professional expertise. You'll be addressing tough questions about the risk of mental health and addiction potential and the effects of marijuana on society. Whether you're a parent, health enthusiast, or just curious, this episode is here to shine a light on the most often misunderstood aspects of marijuana. So let's jump in the podcast. Let's do this. Welcome to the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad podcast, a podcast about a journey of discovery and conversations about not sitting on the sideline of life. Let's get involved. Here's host Joe Foley. Welcome, welcome to the podcast. Hey, my name is Joe Foley. I want to thank you for being here. If this is your first time checking out the podcast, thank you. I really appreciate it. This podcast is about trying to figure out what's best for me or you, or as a dad or a parent, just trying to live life and get the information we need to move forward. It's like I said, life is like a journey of discovery. As older I get, I still think of myself, I don't know everything. And that's why I like talking about the subjects I do talk about during the podcast. I think that's important. So I want to share that with you. Up next, my guest, Dr. Raymond Wiggins, oral maxillofacial surgeon. That's a tough word to say, actually. <laughs> We're going to share some super interesting insights on health implications of marijuana with his unique blend of medical expertise and personal experience. We're going to dive deep into the societal health impacts on the complex issue. His perspective is absolutely vital if you're looking to gain a deeper understanding. So no further ado, let's dive in and learn together. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Wiggins. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. What got you interested in the topic of marijuana, especially in your field? Well, I'm an oral maxillofacial surgeon, so I'm both a physician and a dentist. So, so I do have that background, but it really goes back to childhood. Three of my very close relatives, three people that I grew up with are dead today. And either as a direct or indirect result of marijuana. And one just had a heart attack about a year and a half ago, and it was devastating. He died of a sudden heart attack. But really, probably the the straw that broke the camel's back, the thing that really got me interested was a very close relative of mine, a great young man who went off to college. He went with one of his best friends that he had grown up with. And they both got in with a group of guys who were smoking marijuana. Neither one of them had ever smoked it before, but they thought, Hey, these guys are smoking it all the time. They seem to be doing okay. And so they both started smoking it with them. And just after a couple of times, this young man had psychosis, a psychotic episode. He started having paranoid delusions. He thought people were trying to kill him. He actually got in his car. He drove for several miles, but thankfully he had the, presence of mind to know that he wasn't doing a good job at that. And so he pulled over to the side and he just started running and he made his way to a convenience store where the clerk there saw that there was something wrong. And so he took this young man's phone, called 911, called this young man's mother. And when the authorities got there, they took this young man to the hospital and he was diagnosed with marijuana induced psychosis. And he spent time in a psychiatric hospital and he was never able to go back to school, unfortunately. And that's the personal side. And then I, you look at the professional side. I've done 
over 27,000 sedations at this point in my career. I've been at the front lines of healthcare for almost 30 years. And I see the devastating effects in my patients all the time. Almost every time they check the box that says marijuana, most of them check anxiety. Then when we do sedations, the type of anesthetics that we do are called TIVAs, total IV anesthetics. Mm -hmm. And we use a lot of propofol. Propofol, you have to use two and a half to three times more propofol on average for the patient who uses marijuana. So I can tell almost instantly when someone uses marijuana, I know pretty quickly, even if they don't tell me. And then the third thing that we see is increased pain, post-operative pain. People think that it reduces pain, but really what happens is when you come down from it, it takes more pain meds. And the American Society of Anesthesiology says that it takes about 58% more pain meds post-operatively. And so seeing the devastating effects in my patients, my family, and my friends, I began investigating this subject. And what I found really shocked me. Well, it's interesting too, is a lot of myths out there and stuff like that. But it's almost feel like it's being accepted by society. I mean, I can drive down the road right here where I live going to work and I see four or five billboards promoting this stuff. Unfortunately, it's become much more accepted. If you look back at the year 2010, only 7% of Americans had smoked it in the past year. And when you get to 2020, that figure is 18%. If you want to talk about young people, those 19 to 30, it's 43% of those people, young people have smoked marijuana in the past year and 29% in the past 30 days. And even 17% of 12th graders and 7% of 10th graders and even a few percent of 8th graders have smoked it in the past year. Well, the interesting too, and it's also in something I was thinking about preparing for this interview and stuff, is also a risk of suicide. This is an interesting one too, schizophrenia. I didn't think of that. And bipolar disorder. How does that connect with marijuana? Yeah, that, that's the thing that, that really shocked me the most. And again, that's the thing that started this whole investigation. So I started looking at it. The numbers are just absolutely staggering. If you're looking at schizophrenia, there's up to a six times risk of schizophrenia those who use marijuana. Now that's for those who start at 18 or younger and who use on a regular basis at that point, their risk of schizophrenia by the time they are 30 years old is six times that of those who don't use marijuana. If you, if you look at the long-term risk of schizophrenia for anyone who used marijuana at all before the age of 18, it's two and a half times normal. And then overall, there's a study from the British Journal of Psychiatry that showed a three times greater risk of psychosis, even after trying marijuana only five times. And there are several other studies that show somewhere between a 3.2 to five times risk of psychosis with using marijuana. Depression and suicide, that's really, it, other than the heart effects, the depression and suicide are really the areas where where we see the most deaths, unfortunately, and it happens a lot in young people. We have an absolute, just, it's catastrophic, the numbers of young people that are committing suicide. And the number one drug found in young people who commit suicide is marijuana. The risk of depression for a young adult who's, who's had smoked marijuana as a teen. Mm -hmm. So if you smoke it as a teen, as a young adult until the age of 30, your risk of suicide is a suicide attempt is 37% higher. The risk of developing depression is 1.8 times in those who have what's called cannabis use disorder. 
the odds of a young person thinking about suicide are 50% higher in marijuana smokers. But there's two studies that show the odds of a suicide attempt are somewhere between three and a half to seven times normal in, in young people who have used marijuana beginning in their teens. And so think about it this way. If you start out and you're 50, you're 50% more likely to think about suicide, but you're three and a half to seven times more likely to actually attempt it. So there's something about marijuana that causes people to be able to actually try to do it. I thought bipolar was something that somebody was like born with that was a genetic. I'm not a doctor. I don't know, but I didn't realize marijuana can affect that. Well, there have been a lot of studies that have shown what's called a casual relationship. They couldn't really say there was a causal relationship until May of this year. There's a new study that just came out, six and a half million patients. So it's a huge study and it's in the Journal of the American Medical Association Psychiatry. So the number one medical journal there is. And this study showed that there's a, a three times risk of bipolar disorder in men And then bipolar disorder with psychosis is four times normal and two and a half times for men and two and a half times normal for women. So there, and they actually were able to show a causal relationship. It's the first major study that was actually able to do that. The one thing I was also interested in too is some of the myths. I heard a lot of myths as a kid when I was growing up. And I was wondering, one of the ones I heard that was kind of funny is when people smoke their brains shrink. I was wondering if that was true. I don't know if that's true either, but there are many effects on the brain itself. And one of the main things that, that we're seeing is that marijuana can increase the, the risk of a certain type of stroke called an acute ischemic stroke. Mm-hmm. And for 18 to 49-year-olds, that's about 41% increase in, in, those, in that type of stroke. Also, GPA. There, there are some studies that show that people who smoke marijuana, their GPA is lower and there's several reasons for that, but one is actually your IQ goes down. There, there's a major study. It's a classic study that showed that over decades, those who don't smoke marijuana, your IQ actually goes up a point oh, wow. over many decades. But those who smoke marijuana regularly at all, I believe for this study, it was once a week or more, their IQ actually drops by eight points. And that may not seem like a lot. If you remember that bell-shaped curve that, that we learned about when we were in, in high school or college, that's a, it's a huge difference when you're close to the center. So set, it drops you down to where 71% of people have an IQ higher than yours if you smoke marijuana regularly. Well, it's interesting, too. You see people who are very, like, very intelligent. They look like they have it all together. And in 10 years, you see them out there smoking. They don't seem as smart or, they, I mean, I don't want to say lazy, but, yeah, they look kind of lazy. And they're not really they're not really succeeding in life. Yeah, there there are a lot of things that can cause you to not succeed because of marijuana. But there there's a motivational syndrome is one of them, and that's something that that classic thing that we all think about where people just sit around smoking marijuana and doing nothing else. It's called a motivational syndrome, and it's a real thing. It's not just something that that you see in movies. Well, it's interesting too. The also some of the other myths. I wonder if you can share some. Maybe you didn't know some myths or misconceptions about it that you could share. Yeah, one of those myths is that marijuana is not addictive. That's probably the one one of the biggest ones that I hear. 
marijuana is absolutely addictive. And until the last decade or so, when marijuana was much a lo- much lower potency, I really shouldn't say last decade. It's really probably been for a few decades now. I have to think about the timeline here. But if you go back to 1969, the average marijuana potency was 1% to 2% THC. And the really what they would call the good stuff was 3%. You go to 95, 1995, and it's four times that. Today, the average potency is 18 to 23%. The latest study I saw said 22%. And there are strains now that are between 30 and 45%. There's actually a couple of strains that, that are more than 45%. So why is that important? Well, the most important reason is there's a much higher risk of addiction, and there's a much higher risk of all the problems that we're going to talk about tonight. And the addiction today, 30% of people who use marijuana have marijuana use disorder or cannabis use disorder. That's simply a, a medical term for addiction. And if you look at those that are 12 to 17 years old, that number is 46%. So almost half of the young people who use marijuana are addicted, and almost a third of all users are addicted. So it, that's definitely a, a huge mis- myth. Another one is that marijuana is not a gateway drug. But if you look at a, a whole lot of statistics, the statistics just show that it definitely is a gateway drug. 18-year-olds who use marijuana are two and a half times more likely to be using another drug three years later. And 98% of those who use what we think of as harder drugs started out with marijuana, or at least at some point in their life have smoked marijuana. And there's a whole lot of social costs that that we don't think about. There's violence. People think, oh, it it makes me mellow. But if you look at studies, there, there was a study in the Journal of Interpersonal Violence that found a doubling of domestic violence among those who use marijuana. There's a study in social psychiatry and psychiatric epidemiology that followed 6,000 men. And there was a five-fold increase in their rate of violence. And the drug most often used was marijuana. I always thought that was, and they, I didn't realize that. I always thought it made them like mellow people. They always say that the people who smoke are like great people to hang out with because they're really mellow. I didn't realize that. I think the problem is that, yeah, when they're on it, they're mellow. And that's what we don't understand. That's what a lot of people don't understand is that when you're on it, it does one thing. But when you come down from it, you really get the opposite effect a lot of times. So a lot of these things are the opposite effect. And I could explain that physiologically, but I won't bore you with that unless you just want me to. But it's really it's really not the same when you come down from it as when you're on it. Organized crimes is another one. People think that crime's going to go down whenever you legalize marijuana, but there, there's a whole lot of organized crime. There's human trafficking. It's basically modern day slavery. And in a lot of cases, with the licenses to grow, it's really just a front for the illegal market. If you look at crime statistics, automobile accidents, that's another one. You know, whenever you drive under the influence of marijuana, the essential skills that you normally have, like your reaction time and you have impaired decision making ability and impaired coordination, distorted, distorted perception, there's a lot of problems that cause that are caused by marijuana 
And it really causes devastating effects. If you look at the states who have legalized marijuana, there have actually there's actually been a pretty big increase in, in several of those states in the number of fatal accidents. Sixty nine percent of people who are sixty nine percent of users, according to a study by Centennial Institute, said that they got behind the wheel at least once under the influence and 27% admitted to doing that on a regular basis. And AAA said that 14.8 million drivers reported getting behind the wheel within the last 30 days when they were under the influence of marijuana. Well, what does that do? Well, if you look at states like Washington state and Colorado, the number of fatal auto accidents doubled when marijuana became more available in those states and nationwide. If you look at the year 2000, only 9% fatal auto accidents involved marijuana. Well, today, and I say today, it's 2018, actually. That's 22%. So it more than doubled in just two decades. Interesting question. And I'm thinking about it too. Why do you think society is more accepting now? Because I can remember, I'll I'll use myself as an example. I went to the vitamin store and I saw Martha Stewart's CBD gummies. I'm like, I never tried this stuff. I'll try once. And wow, that had an effect. And after that, then no effect. It wouldn't have the same effect you did again. But man, the what a hangover they had. But we're also too with all the like like we talked about in the beginning. I'm kind of go back to marijuana stores, dispensaries. Sorry, say dispensaries. That's what they're called. But it seems more widely accepted. I'm, I'm not sure why. Yeah, I'm going to answer this the way that Dr. Kevin Sabet does. He was the assistant to the National Drug Policy Coordinator in three administrations. He's actually the only person who's been in both Democrat and Republican administrations in a high-level position under the drugs are, or as the drugs are. And what he says is that the marijuana industry is using basically the same playbook as Big Tobacco did 50, 60, 70 years ago, and whenever they got tobacco to be so accepted. And he says that they're making it a more addictive product, which they are, because they're increasing the THC and they're doing that by manipulating the genes they're, they're So they're making it more addictive and they're bankrolling all of these ref- referendums and they're giving a ton of money to politicians. And so what that's doing, if you, it, they've been very successful. If you look back at 1991, only 20% of young people believed that marijuana was not harmful today that number is just reversed. Only 21% of young people believe that it is harmful. And so what that does is those who don't believe that it's harmful are six more, six times more likely to use marijuana. So again, that's been a very successful campaign. Well, also too, like marijuana's health risk. Are we rolling the dice with our health? Because I know that some people who smoke, I've seen them, is their teeth get all brown and all. But what are the health risks? I mean, is it worth gambling? Yeah, the number one thing that I found is the problems with the heart. Now, there's a whole lot of problems, and I'll go into those briefly, but I want to talk about the heart pretty in depth, if you don't mind, because oh, no, there's there's an increase in blood pressure and an increase in heart rate, both of which can be up to double what they normally are. There's also a decrease in the oxygen that's in the blood and there's increased inflammation in the blood. You add all this together, plus some other things that that we're just starting to understand. 
and it has really tremendous effects on the heart. For instance, those who have angina, who have had, who have heart pain normally in their lives, when they, those who had never smoked it before, they put them on a treadmill and ask them to walk or run to the point where they had chest pain. A few days later, they would let them smoke a joint and then do the same thing. They had chest pain 50% quicker. On average, those who smoke marijuana have a 4.8 times, almost a five times risk of a heart attack for the first hour after smoking marijuana. Now, these studies are, there's a whole lot of new studies that I'm quoting. They're all within the past two, two years or so, most of them. And so even as a physician, I didn't know these things until I started studying. That risk is 1.7 times for two hours. And there's another study that shows a two times risk for 24 hours. There's a Canadian study that shows that those 18 to 44 years old have a 63% increase in heart attacks if they've smoked marijuana in the past month. And there's another study that followed, the Mayo Clinic did this one, followed young people for two and a half years. And those who smoked marijuana were two and a half times more likely to have a heart attack than those who didn't smoke marijuana during that time. So I could just go on and on about these studies. I I have a whole list more, but there's a whole lot of problems with the heart. So just from that standpoint alone, and it's what one of my cousins died from a year and a half or so ago. And so I've seen that directly in my family. Then you can talk about the lung effects. I mean, it's not hard to understand or to comprehend that marijuana would have effects on the lungs if you're smoking it. The American Lung Association says that smoking marijuana leads to chronic cough, limb production, asthma, wheezing, bronchitis, etc. But there's a lot of studies that show a lot more grave things. And there was a study in the European Respiratory Journal that showed that one joint is equivalent to 20 cigarettes or a pack of cigarettes when you're talking about lung cancer risk. When you're talking about inflammation in the lung, there's two studies. One showed it was equivalent to 15 cigarettes. One showed it was equivalent to 20 cigarettes for lung inflammation. And then the overall lung cancer risk, if you smoke marijuana, is 5.7 times that of those who don't smoke marijuana. There's also problems with the immune system. There, there's two different receptors that marijuana works on, a, a CB1 and a CB2. And the CB2 receptor, the main place that it's found is in our immune system. And so these are fairly new studies as well. And so I, as a surgeon, had to think about, hey, is this patient going to heal as well as those who don't use marijuana? And those are things that they're just now starting to study. There's genetic f- effects. There, a Dr. Stuart Reese, who is an absolutely brilliant guy from Australia, and he uses statistical analyses that, that I can't even wrap my brain around, but he's basically shown causal effects on because of DNA issues. He's, he showed that marijuana causes different types of cancers. It causes accelerated aging, and it can cause many types of congenital anomalies. And he's even been able to show statistically that marijuana is a cause of autism. He's the only one that, that I've heard talk about that. But again, he's a brilliant guy, and I, I love to, to listen to him and read his stuff. Add a little more about the autism. That's interesting. It's very inter- interesting. That, that's all I can tell you. I wish I could okay, tell you that's, more. That's, that's all right. You can look him up. 
his name is S T U A R T. Last name is Reese R E E C E. Really a brilliant guy. He's got a, a lot of YouTube videos, and you can find information about him, and you can see his work. The videos that he makes, they just give little snippets of, about different things a lot of times. And on that one, that was just a little snippet that he had at the very end. One of those that that he's been able to show a statistical causal relationship between marijuana and autism. And that's something that I just saw fairly recently too. But one thing for till, uh, I'm, sorry, was, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but another question. I was thinking about, is there any positive effects? Like do they, is there any positive things using marijuana? Like do they use it in medication that might help people? Cause we're talking a lot about negative things. Is there any positive? Yeah. I wish I could give you something that was positive, but honestly, I don't see that that there's anything positive. If you want to talk about the medical use of marijuana, it, it's really, re- really hype. There's there's a whole lot of emotion behind it, and there are there are people who think that it's helped them in a lot of different ways. But when you really look at the studies, and the best study that was ever done was one that was. Not too long ago, it was a meta-analysis. Basically what that is, it's a meta-analysis looks at all the different studies and pulls all the data. And that meta-analysis by Dr. Whiting looked at 79 different articles that were very strong articles. And basically what it showed is that it for everything, for chronic pain, spasticity due to MS, anxiety disorder, sleep disorder, glaucoma, psychosis, etc. There were only two studies that they found that really had statistically significant results. And those two were regarding sleep disorders and anxiety. But whenever they looked further, they found that those studies were such small numbers that they thought that there was a really significant amount of bias because a lot of the people in those studies had dropped out because of side effect. And so if you're looking for high quality, statistically significant studies, they just aren't out there. And so even when I first started looking at this, if you go even like to some of the FDA websites and things like that, if you really just start looking, it looks like, oh yeah, it may be used for this and this. But when you really look at at the studies that are behind those, I delved into very deeply. The evidence just isn't there. For instance, pain is the number one reason that marijuana is prescribed. And the there's actually no statistical, statistically significant studies on that. There's one that comes close to statistical significance that's about something called neuropathic pain. But again, if you look at that study closely, the NIH said that there was a high risk for, for bias in that study as well. And there, there are, there are some things that there, there's a very, there, there are some drugs that are made from cannabis or synthetically derived to mimic THC that may show some promise. And I am not in any way against using the cannabis plant to try to find some some relief for people for whatever. I hope that we can find some ways to use it. And I think we will in the future. But if you're looking at today and you're really talking about getting all of the the emotion out of it, 
Mm-hmm. And just looking at it statistically, looking at the evidence, it's just not there. And by the way, the FDA has not approved marijuana for any medical use. That's what people don't understand. That's what I didn't understand even. It's not approved for any medical use. It's still a Schedule One drug, which means two things. Number one, a Schedule One drug has a high propensity for addiction. And number two, it has no recognized medical use. That's I thought it was approved for medical use. That's another myth right there. It's, like you said, so it's a hype about it. Wow, I didn't know that. That's some that's interesting. Oh, there there was a study that showed over thirty one percent of physicians don't realize that either. And unfortunately I was one of those until I started studying it. One thing else too in your book and you talk about the upcoming book is also your study about marijuana and stuff is the biblical perspective. What was that all about? What we don't think about, we think a lot of times if the Bible doesn't use the word, for instance, cannabis or marijuana, we think that maybe the Bible doesn't have anything to say about it. What we don't understand is that the Bible speaks to many things that it doesn't use those exact words. If it used the exact word for every single thing about every single person's life, the Bible would fill not only volumes, but it would fill whole libraries. The Bible is sufficient. That's the word that, that means that basically it, it can, can help you in all areas of life without specifically talking about every sing, you, without specifically using every single word. So let's talk about marijuana. What things does the Bible talk about as far as marijuana? The Bible talks about not being lazy. Well, marijuana leads to laziness. The Bible talks about in many places, and this is the biggest one, is that we're supposed to be sober. We're not supposed to be drunk or high. And the Bible gives actually nine different reasons why we're supposed to be sober, That because it leads to poor judgment. It leads to poor health. The, body, the Bible says our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's where God resides in us, actually in our body, through our spirit, through our soul. But he resides in our body, and our body is that temple, and we're supposed to take care of it. And there's a lot of reasons that that the Bible gives us to take care of that temple. It's interesting, too. I just wanted to hear, remember your coming book, it mentions about the biblical perspective. And I I was kind of curious what you had to say about it. I was also wondering, too, what can they find in your book when it comes out? What What can they expect from the book? Well, there's actually going to be two books, and there's going to be one that's strictly a medical perspective, and that's so that I can get into public schools and more secular events such as secular colleges and things like that. And then there's going to be the one that you're talking about is the expanded version, and that's going to expanded edition, and that's going to be that's going to allow me to talk to churches, youth groups, Christian schools, and those types of things. And so, and then there's also a study guide for each of those. And so I can, so that people can do small and large group studies if they want and anywhere from four to nine lessons, depending on how they want to do it. Because they can get your message out about dangers of marijuana. Final thoughts, wrapping up, and maybe something we didn't cover, maybe something you want to leave a message with the audience about the use of marijuana and how it's not a good thing. Yeah, I would just say, think about all the things that, that we've talked about tonight. And if you get the book, you're going to find a whole lot more than what we were able to cover here. But this is a very good overview. Hopefully it gets people to want to start thinking about this and think that, hey, although 
people are saying and popular culture says that marijuana is okay, marijuana doesn't cause any problems, it really causes a whole lot of, of medical problems, physical problems, mental health problems, and it can lead to spiritual problems as well. And, and so when you start thinking about all those things together, why use marijuana? There, there's really not a good reason to, from my perspective. And where they can find you, where they want to connect you, find out more about you, maybe read a pre, pre-register for a sale for your book, where they can connect with you. Yeah, you can go to drwiggins.com. That's D-R-W-I-G-G-I-N-S.com and click on the connect page. And if you'll sign up for the email list, I will let you know when the book is coming out. We actually delayed it a little bit. It was supposed to come out in October or November. We're going to delay it until after the first of the year so that we're not going against Christmas and the holidays. (laughs) So we just made that decision last week. But when it does come out, I'm going to let you know about it, and you're going to get a discount as well if you've signed up for that connection list. And also, please connect with me on social media. There's a whole lot of things that we're about to start doing on social media. We're going to be educating and doing some videos there. And so when you go to my website, again, that's drwiggins.com. If you go to my website, click on the social media sites and connect with me that way, and I'll keep you updated on what's going to be happening. Dr. Wigan, thank you much for being on the podcast tonight. All links will be in the show notes for this episode. Thank you, sir. Thank you much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. That's all for this episode of the No Sitting on the Sideline Down podcast. This episode was great. My brilliant guest, Dr. Raymond Wiggins. He was eager to delve in deeper into Fashion's works on marijuana health and societal impact. I highly recommend visiting his website at drremwiggins.com. For more information on discussion or access to additional resources, be sure to check out the show notes at nosittingonthesideline.com slash 139. Hey, if you want to get in touch with me, please don't hesitate to visit nosittingonthesideline.com slash contact. I'm all really, I'm always excited to connect with you. During the conversation, Dr. Wiggins shares a remarkable blend of captivating personal stories and profound professional insights on the topic of marijuana. It was truly fascinating an experience. You know what? I really like to hear what you think. Leave a comment in the show notes if you have a personal experience or just want to say, nah, um, whatever you want to say. I love to hear your comments and everything like that. I really appreciate it. The time of this recording is right around the New Year's. So happy New Year's. 2023 flew by. But I want to wish you and your family a prosperous, happy New Year's, and and happy 2024. Until next time, take care. Give your kids a hug. Tell them how much you love them. And appreciate family and friends at this time. See you soon. Mm -hmm.